Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are excited that you have chosen to be here with us. Um, we hope you enjoy your time of worship. We would like to uh, welcome any guests or visitors that we may have in our midst. We are excited and glad that you have chosen to worship with us at Boiling Springs Baptist Church this morning. May we prepare our hearts for worship as we worship our God. hymn this morning is hymn number seven, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. If you are able, please stand and join me in singing hymn number seven.
Good morning. How are you today? James, can you sit right there for me? Thank you. James was headed down the aisle before I even got ready. I want to tell you about a couple of things today. Can we listen? Sit right still for just a minute. This week, last Wednesday, we met together in the LEC, didn't we, James? What did we do? What did we do with these boxes? Fill them up, didn't we? We filled them up. We missed you, Georgia. But we filled these boxes up. Didn't, oops. There's no cars in here today, Will. It's okay. All right? We filled these boxes up. And do you know that these boxes are going to travel on camels and all kinds of different animals are going to take them to all kinds of children all over the world. But we want to ask the church to come and help us one more time. And that's Wednesday afternoon, before we eat supper, we're going to fill up some more shoeboxes. And if you have a shoebox at home, fill it up this week. And next Sunday, the children have something very special planned for our shoeboxes. So come and be a part of that as we bless our shoeboxes as they go around the world. But today, we want to talk about our pumpkin. Georgia, would you like to hold our pumpkin for just a minute? All right, can you hold the pumpkin? This is our thankful pumpkin. Do you know what a thankful pumpkin is? No? Well, we're going to figure that one out in just a minute. But I want to read a verse to you. Hold still. Let me read and then you can... All right. All right, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Give thanks no matter what happens. God wants you to thank him because you believe in Jesus. So what I want you to do today and what we're going to do for several weeks is we're going to take this pumpkin, Miss Georgia. Okay? Can you tell me something that you are very thankful for? Can you tell me something you're very thankful for? Can you whisper it in my ear? You're very thankful for him? Is that your daddy? Okay. All right. We're going to be very thankful for dad. How about mom? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. All right. All right, James, are you thankful for something? Mm -hmm. What? Uh, You're, what are you thankful for? Um, how about Jude? Yeah. Are you thankful? And how about your John Deere tractor? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Aiden. What are you thankful for? Um, video games and life. All right. Video games and life. That's a good one. All right, Mr. Will. What are you thankful for? For your what? Gator. For your gator. All right. All right. And Miss Maggie. Huh? Families. Awesome. All right. This is the month of November. And all during the month of November, I want us to think about things that we can be thankful for. Because there's a holiday we celebrate in November. Thanksgiving. That's right. 
And when we look at Thanksgiving, it's two words. Thanks. Here he is sitting right there. We have two holidays. Thanksgiving. We have one holiday and it's two words. Thanksgiving. And we are thankful for what people, what God has given us. So every Sunday, we're going to add to our thankful pumpkin. And then at the end of the month, we're going to have covered our pumpkin with things that we are thankful for. And we're going to bless it every day. But I have a job for you to do this week, too. I've made you a book. And it says in this book, I am thankful for. And you don't have to even write a word. Will, you can draw a picture of your gator if you want to. And James can draw a picture of his green and yellow tractor because that's something he's thankful for too. So all week, just when you take time, you take time, get your crayons out, get your markers, okay? And draw me a picture of something you're thankful for, okay? All right. Georgie, do you want to hand these out for me? Will you be my helper? All right, go over there and give Will one. Give it, give it to Maggie. She'll take it. And give Maggie another one. She needs one for herself. Okay. Give Aiden one. Georgia, turn around. Give Aiden one. And give James one. Yeah, boy. <laughs> All right, Georgia. Let's say a prayer, okay? Dear Jesus, thank you for these precious children. The love of life that they have in their heart is endless. They are so sweet. They are so special. Watch over them. Watch over their families. Bless them and keep them and remind them that they are loved and we are thankful that they are here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Go. Scoot. We're not blessed with such wonderful children. Amen. Our scripture today is taken from 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, and then added on uh, chapter 9, ver <coughs> excuse me, verses 6 through 7. If you are able, will you please stand and honor God as we read his word? We want you to know, brethren, about the grace of God, which has been shown in the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth of liberality on their part. Other translations say generosity for liberality. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, as I can testify, of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of saints. And this, not as we expected, but first they gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. And then nine, uh, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. 
The point is this, he who, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. May God bless the reading of his word and the hearing of his message. Please remain standing and we'll join together singing hymn number 213, We Will Glorify, 213. Understanding is we have uh, an important day coming up on Tuesday, and if you're still undecided, I was going to tell you who to vote for. I'm just kidding, just kidding. I don't want that to continue at all. Um, but uh, it is an important day for us on Tuesday, and so the, the conclusion of my pastoral prayer this morning uh, will be a special prayer for our country and for our election. But uh, we have many, uh, thankfully, right now, um, we've had a few in and out of the hospital just recently, but thankful that no one is there uh, as we speak this morning. Uh, but uh, it is just a great day to be together in God's house. I tell you, with, with all the, uh, the news that we hear and read, it's good to be together as God's people, focusing our attention upward and looking to him and desiring to hear what he has to say to us today. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we're grateful for your presence with us this morning. Is the opening hymn saying, Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. And Father, that is why we have gathered in this place today and none other. Father, we want to adore you with our songs, with our prayers, with your word, with the preaching. Father, with our fellowship, both in here and around the table in just a moment. Father, we're grateful for one another. We're grateful for the community and for our country. We're grateful most of all for your son, Jesus Christ. We're thankful for his love his generosity, his grace, and the joy that he has implanted within our hearts this morning. Father, our hearts are heavy towards those within our fellowship who are going through difficult times. 
whether it be physical illness or some other means that's causing great stress in their lives. Father, we pray for your presence, your comfort. We pray that you would be that good shepherd that would walk with them through these difficult days. Father, we lift up uh, those men and women in uniform around the world. We pray for their safety, for their provision. We pray for our missionaries here at home and overseas, that, Father, you would bless their lives and their ministries. May they be fruitful in a world that is growing uh, more hostile toward the gospel. Father, we know, though, however, uh, the opposite is also true. We also know of people who are very much open uh, to hear more about what this God, uh, this, this Jesus Christ, who came and lived and died and rose again, who, who was he and what does he mean and, and how, can, how can he make a difference in my life? Help missionaries and pastors and all ministers of the gospel, Father, as they do their work, again, both here and overseas, Father, to be fruitful and to be effective in their ministries. Father, our hearts are heavy uh, towards our country. And so, Father, we lift up this prayer. God of justice and compassion, God of Republicans and Democrats and independents, God of the poor and of the 1% and the middle class. In the heat of this election year, we pray for our nation, our churches, and ourselves. In the midst of meanness and deception, may our words as your people be kind and true. In the midst of loud speeches and harsh accusations, may we listen well and try to understand. May those who follow Jesus do the work of Jesus, breaking down the dividing walls and speaking truth in love meeting together in the face of disagreements. Holy and loving God, have mercy on us, your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The words of our next hymn are found on the screens on either side, so if you are able, please stand and join me in singing Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone.
may be seated. Before the offering uh, takes place this morning, I just want to introduce, we're going to show a short video clip and then we'll proceed with our, or I'll have the prayer and we'll proceed with our offering. I don't know about you, but what, we, what you're about to see is, I, I would hope you would find both comical and uh, inspiring and challenging. It's just a very short video clip, but I don't know about you, but have you ever wondered what goes through the mind of people when they're about to give their offering? Let's watch this. <laughs> Should I tithe from my net or my gross paycheck? If I tithe 15%, will you help me find a wife? I'm sure my husband gave some last week. I'll tithe next week. Gee, I wonder how much money the church is wasting on these little envelopes. You can have it, but I want you to know I'm not happy about it. I made all those cookies for kids longer. God's really not going to miss my money. Who really cares if I tithe from my bonus? Once my taxes are all paid. After my credit cards. Once my car is paid off. Once my loans are paid off, then I'll tie. I'll start giving again. Then I can tie. Then I can tie. I have so little to give. If the game starts at 1.15 and we leave church by 12.30, we can grab lunch and have 15 I minutes to make the it iron home. I love you, God. I love you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I love you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, I love you, God. I love you. Father, as we give our gifts today, help us to do so cheerfully. And Father, teach us about the joy and the grace that's involved in giving. Lord, you have given us something that through uh, financial means and through other means, Lord, we simply cannot repay. But Father, we're so grateful for the gift that you have given us in your son, Jesus Christ. As that gift becomes more real and more personal in our lives, Father, help us to be faithful in giving, giving joyfully and cheerfully back to you what is yours. Father, bless the gift this morning and the giver of the gift. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
Bibles, I encourage you to keep them open to 1 Corinthians. We're going to be looking at some scriptures or passages there in chapters 8 and 9, and thank you, Diane, for reading that this morning. We are beginning a new sermon series today on cultivating faithfulness. Many of you in the room know what it means to cultivate the ground, to cultivate the soil for future growth and health, um, and you could teach us a thing or two about that. Another word or definition of cultivate can also mean to acquire or to develop a skill. Uh, right now, my son is cultivating his math skills, um, and so we're helping him with that. Actually, his mom's helping him more with that. Um, but uh, November is also a month where we focus on thankfulness. And if you read the newsletter and, or you've seen other things, I'm challenging the church to, instead of just maybe on a Wednesday night or at a special time for the church where we just simply state, like we're doing here with our children's sermons, uh, what we're thankful for, but let us be a little more intentional about our thankfulness throughout the month of November, and uh, let us be a little more tangible about ways we can show and demonstrate our thankfulness throughout the entire month. I've challenged uh, those to think about Sunday school to see if we can get 200. I think we might have been a little under that this Sunday for Sunday school, but see if we can do that throughout the month of November as we are thankful. Uh, let's demonstrate that through our devotion. Uh, we can uh, attend Sunday school. If you're not plugged into Sunday school, we'd like to challenge you to, to uh, talk with me or another staff member or someone, and we would be happy to plug you into a Sunday school class. Uh, we've been also challenged to give, and you're going to hear about that this morning. Uh, but there's other challenges as well, challenges for, to focus on our outreach. I was pleased to hear this morning of some people talking about just they didn't know I was listening, but as I was just walking down the halls, they were saying, well, I invited so-and-so today, and I'm not sure if they'll be here. And, and, and it, it's encouraging to hear those kinds of things. But as God's people, we need to always be about uh, encouraging others to come and to be a part of the fellowship of believers and to grow in their understanding and in their knowledge of God and to have opportunities for worship as well. But for those who have looked at the sermon title in Sunday school, or maybe you read it in your bulletin or, or newsletter this past month, and you are still here this morning, I want to congratulate you. That's, that's the first step. That's a good thing, because any time when the pastor's preaching on giving, that's not always a, uh, uh, an exciting Sunday to be at. And I'll put you into a little uh, insider here. There's not too many pastors that enjoy preaching on giving, but I would also say that the reverse is true. There's not too many congregations that enjoy hearing a sermon about giving. And so it goes both ways. Uh, but that is where we find ourselves uh, this morning. I want to frame today's message by thinking of a rope. And I wish I would have, I often grab an illustration from time to time, but I wish I would have had one with me this morning. But when you look at a rope, there's all kinds of strands in the rope. 
And there's all kinds of strands that we could talk about based on our text today here in First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians 8 and 9 that go into making a strong rope for the Macedonian church. But there are three things in particular that um, uh, go into a strong rope that I'm going to be focusing on this morning. Uh, the, the main strand is the generosity piece that is mentioned here in Second Corinthians 8. Uh, the other strand that is important and significant for this strong rope is joy, and the other one is grace. And so as we begin to dive into these, uh, there's a short video that, we will, that will help us to introduce us to these um, uh, strands of the rope, if you will, this morning, and we will continue. In the New Testament, there was no church that was more generous than the Macedonian church. In 2 Corinthians 8, 1-5, Paul tells us how their joy overflowed in rich generosity. The encouraging thing for us about this joy was the circumstances it came from. Paul explains that they were in the midst of severe trials and extreme poverty, and it was in these times that God gave them this overflowing joy that resulted in generosity. Trials and suffering couldn't shake these believers because they didn't care about stuff. Their secret was not what belonged to them, but who they belonged to. And every one of us will also face trials and sufferings at some point in our lives. And just like the Macedonians, we must decide who or what we will trust in when they do arise. So let's look at three truths that the Macedonian believers teach us that will help us obtain the same joy and generosity they had in their extreme poverty. First, nothing can shake the joy of the generous. Paul's description of the Macedonian state of affairs should not be taken lightly. Severe tests of affliction and extreme poverty these circumstances were more than minor setbacks, yet God gave them the joy to not only make it through, but to give generously in the process. Secondly, generosity flows from a heart of self-sacrifice, not self-preservation. The motivation of giving is not to give in order to get. Instead, just like the Macedonians, it begins with our surrender to God and flows from His joy as we trust in Him. And finally, Biblical giving comes from grace, not the law. Tithe, or 10%, is the biblical starting point for giving. Jesus validated this in Matthew 23, but as the Macedonians showed us, their giving was a direct result of the joy they found in God's grace, not from an obligation to give. These verses model for us the response God is looking for when we look at our financial situation. Paul tells us that the Macedonians gave themselves first to the Lord, and in the same way we should approach our finances by first affirming or reaffirming our commitment to trust God's promises. And secondly, we are told the Macedonians gave. Their generosity was the proof of where their joy really came from, and in the same way our giving echoes what our hearts are trusting in. In 1 Corinthians, I believe it was around chapter 16, Paul is uh, challenging the churches in the region of Macedonia, which would include Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea, and uh, he is giving instructions and challenging the churches to help the struggling church in Jerusalem. And here in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul is on what I would like to call a wrap-up tour. He is going back around to these churches that were challenged to give, these churches that were challenged to support the church in Jerusalem and he's seeing where they are with that. He also has Titus, he has some others with him, and uh, gives time and time again a case for the credit, his own credibility and then those who he is traveling with as well. 
Uh, he had previously asked for funds, and again, now he's going around again to collect these. Uh, but he first had to travel through Macedonia in order to get to the church in Corinth, which is where this letter was directed. This is now, uh, Macedonia is the northern area, uh, now northern area of Greece. Macedonia later became a prosperous area, but this time in which we are looking at here in the Scripture, it was a struggling area, and it was much like the church that was struggling in Jerusalem. And so for Paul to ask or to expect the churches in the Macedonian area, Corinth was doing a little bit better, but for Paul to expect any church in Macedonia to give would be much like uh, one inner city today helping another inner city or one city that's struggling economically in our country, helping another city that's struggling economically. It, it, it probably wouldn't it'd be a tall order. It would be something very difficult to do. Um, it'd be like one third world country deciding that they wanted to help another third world country. It would just simply be very difficult. So to receive money from them, again, would, would be something that would be very <laughs> uh, hard to come by. We see further evidence of the Macedonian Christians giving to the church in Jerusalem. Back in, uh, Paul's, back in Romans 15, 26, Paul wrote this, For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Paul's work in Macedonia was great. He established churches again in Philippi and Thessalonica. And then in Acts 16, Luke writes of Paul's vision in Troas to travel to Macedonia uh, which later became his second missionary journey. The Macedonians Christians were a great example of giving. We've looked, and thank you, Diane, for reading 2 Corinthians chapter 8. They're a great example of giving because they gave, number one, in their affliction. As we read and as the, the video indicated, uh, they were going through great trials and great difficulty. They also gave in spite of their great poverty. We see that in Scripture as well. And one that I wanted to camp out here, one of the threads, again, that I mentioned as we began our time, one of the threads that I want to camp out here for a moment on is they gave with great joy. They gave with great joy. Some this morning may be like, how is this possible? When I give to family or to the church or to wherever, it, is, it may not always be with great joy. And so I've heard other pastors say this, pastor, you're going to have to convince me how giving can be joyous celebration. Well, let me the best example of this that I know, I want to share with you. When you're with family and friends at Christmas and everybody is exchanging gifts, it is great to receive a gift, but have you ever watched the face of someone you know who has put a lot of time and effort into preparing a gift for a family member or for a friend? And it's, it's just as exciting when you know what's about to happen and the person unwrapping it doesn't have a clue, but to watch the face of the one giving the gift is just as much of a, as a gift as, as the actual gift. But to watch the face and the joy of someone who has prepared, who has planned, who has saved as they are giving that gift. I think about Renee as, or as we, gifts that we have given to Aiden and, and the, some things that I have seen Renee do sometimes staying up all the night to prepare the way it's wrapped and, and what it, you know, how it's presented and all of this. And so it looks wonderful. But to see the face of someone uh, and the reaction of someone who gives that gift to, is just as joyous as the one who has received it. And um, that's the image that I have and that I want us to have this morning as we think about what it means to give joyfully. Uh, when we have 
worked hard for what we have, when we have uh, labored, when we have uh, had great sacrifice for this gift, and yet we give it, not out of compulsion, not out of obligation, but we give it because we just can't help ourselves. We are excited, and we know that this will bless the giver, which this case, of course, is our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul uses the word cheerful. I'm thankful that Diane read um, 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 7. Paul says, Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This word in the Greek is hilaros, which is where we get our word for, uh, you know, hilarious. And so I proposed to you this morning, I heard a pastor say this week, and I'd like to repeat what he said, and I can't remember who it was that said it. He said, wouldn't it be good if instead of hearing uh, change or, or bills placed in the offering plate, we hear laughter when the offering plate is, pla- is passed? Uh, I don't know if that, I, I don't think that happened this morning, but wouldn't that be great if, if there was such joy in our hearts that we heard laughter when the offering plate is, is passed? It brings great joy when we bless someone with a nice gift. And we see this here with the Macedonian Christians, giving to Jerusalem Christians and a church that they loved. We also see Macedonian Christians giving beyond their means. The Scripture tells us this as well. It tells us that they also gave freely. In fact, that they pleaded for the privilege of sharing with other believers. What a great gift for a church and for ministers and for church leaders to have a people who are pleading for the opportunity to give to meet needs. There have been times within this church and others where uh, someone may have been hesitant to to raise a need or make awareness of a need, but I am pleased to know, I've seen that here at Bowling Springs, when a need becomes aware, when, when the people become aware of a need, the people here at Bowling Springs have a desire to respond. We sometimes do that corporately. We sometimes do that with Sunday school classes whether it's a member that's going through a difficult time or whether we know of a friend or a family member that's going through a very difficult time, we simply make the need known and there is a response in giving. And most of the time, that is a very joyous response. The other strand that I mentioned at the beginning of our time this morning, we've looked at one, which was grace and the, uh, I mean, excuse me, joy. The second is that the Macedonian Christians were people of grace. It says back in the beginning of verse one of chapter eight, now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. The best way to say this that I know is is when you give knowing there will not be a gift in return, you model the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was taking place in Macedonia. You and I most often, uh, or can at times, you know, be mindful of a gift that was given to us. And so we in kind try to return a gift or give a gift that is of comparable value. It's just something that we do. But here with the Macedonian church and when we think about the gift that has been given to us from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it is a gift that we simply cannot return. I thought of the wise men this week and the gifts that they were given. There was not a, um, a mother sitting around the corner or a grandmother or an aunt, you know, writing down, okay, well, this wise man gave the myrrh and this wise man gave, you know, so we could send thank you notes out to the wise man, you know, but these gifts were given with no expectation. You know, there was no follow-up address for these wise men to receive a thank you note. So the Macedonian Christians uh, gave joyfully, but they also were people filled with grace and they would be, I guess, fall under the umbrella of what it means to have grace-filled giving. Uh, They gave uh, not expecting anything in return. 
A grace gift is something, again, that cannot be returned in kind is a grace gift. Christ is God's greatest demonstration of grace. God has given us something we don't deserve, and we have very, done very little, if nothing, to earn this gift. When we begin to have greater understanding regarding the great gift of grace that we have been given, it leads to transformation. It leads to life change. It leads us to give more and to give generously more than we ever thought we could. Paul, in all of his Greek words, we often talk to me, uh, think of Melvin and all his work, Melvin back there, uh, with, with uh, Greek studies, and we have others in here that, that know Greek very well. But Paul, in all of his Greek words, at the end of chapter 9, verse 15, he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul, that was the best, I guess, Greek word that Paul could use to describe God's grace. He said, God's indescribable gift. And the last thing that I wanted to mention is the Macedonian church gave themselves to the Lord first and then to others. That's at the end of verse 5 there of chapter 8. He says, and this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and, or to the Lord and to us by the will of God. One of the challenges in November is we cult cultivate faithfulness. One of the challenges that I mentioned is for everyone to give. And many of you may say, well, Keith, how is that a challenge? We, I, I, I give. Well, there, or don't we all give? Well, I would like to think so, but I would probably venture to say that there are some who are here faithfully that, that don't give. And I'll be careful not to look at anyone right now. Um, but it may be that some of you who give need to, maybe you've been giving a certain percentage. And I noticed in the New Testament, I was going to say this later, but in the New Testament, we don't see a certain percentage that is asked here. We, of course, know and often, as was mentioned in the video, and as we know in the Old Testament, a tithe was considered 10%. Some of you give 10%. Some of you could give more than 10%. Some of you can't give that right now, and that's okay. I want you to hear that from me. Some of you may be giving 2% or 4%, but it may be that you could give 6% or 8%. But I want to challenge each of us in this place to give. What would that look like? How would that advance God's kingdom if God's people gave faithfully and gave generously? Uh, the church supports many great ministries. You support your ministers, first of all, who are able to facilitate worship and to help with funerals and to advance God's kingdom here uh, through Bowling Springs Baptist Church. But your gifts also facilitate other things and other ministries, both here with Cecilia Beck, uh, Greater Cleveland Baptist Association, your gifts support state missions and the Baptist men of North Carolina, various ministries for women in North Carolina, uh, ministries on the coast and in the mountains and in the, and in the major cities here in North Carolina. Your gifts also go to support things here on the home front, on, at, uh, here within our country and uh, with mission endeavors. And your, your, your monies also go to help with missions overseas as well. So there's many, many ways and noble ways that your monies are used here at Bowling Springs Baptist. One of the things that we as a church are doing, and uh, this, la this last week, two of your staff members were part of a conference call uh, with a company that we use regularly that helps with our managing of our, our, of our money and also our Sunday school attendance. It's a program called ACS. There was a conference call this week where we had with them where they informed us of some things, but we also asked questions. What are some different ways for our people to give? Many of you I would say majority of you in the room give by either check or cash. That's pretty much the only way right now that we can give. But we're looking into different options of online options or of other options here at church, electronic options, that when you're here on Sunday morning that you could take, 
you know, advantage of. And the reason I say that, I know there are some with strong convictions about what it means to see a gift placed in the offering plate, and I understand that, and I'm sensitive to that. However, I'm also understanding that we live in a day and age in which there are many people, and I don't want to say it's just strictly generation, but there are a lot of people near my age and younger who simply don't carry cash and who don't carry checkbooks. And so when different offerings or special offerings come up, uh, they're not prepared to give, and, but yet they could if there was a different way to do that. A uh, pastor friend of mine, Raymond Smith, I've mentioned him before, he's at College Park in Winston-Salem, met with a group of his young people, and he asked them about a lot of different things related to church, but one of the things that came up was tithing. And they said, give us a better way to give. We don't have checkbooks. We don't, we don't, if we do, we can't find them sometimes, and we don't carry cash. And so give us a better way to give. And so now that church has come up with several ways when you're there on Sunday mornings that you can give electronically. So these are some things that we're looking into. Again, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 are some of my favorite verses in all of the New Testament when it comes to giving. Let me read them once again. It says, This I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful a giver. I remember a pastor um, in my past on the sermons that I've I heard on giving, I remember a pastor stepping out on a limb and saying, I could care less about the amount of your giving. I couldn't care more about the attitude behind your giving. And when I remember those words, I go directly to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, where it says, each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Attitude is everything. Thomas Jefferson once said, when the heart is right, the feet are swift. When the heart is right, the feet are swift. Here in chapter 8 and 9, Paul didn't write about the percentage. Uh, matter of fact, uh, there was nowhere in the New Testament where he talks about a percentage, but Paul simply exhorts those to give as he purposes in his heart. He did indicate that attitude was everything. In the day and age when there are so many good ministries to give to, there are food pantries, there are causes for uh, water, uh, there are there's Samaritan's Purse where we not only buy items to go in a shoebox, but we also put $7 in the box. Uh, we have other charities that, that feed hungry children, that help spread the gospel. Uh, we have Compassion International that helps meet the needs of children, help them to receive an education, and also helps shed, shed the gospel with them as well. We have disaster relief agencies. We have um, needs in countries that have experienced tsunamis and, and devastation of all kinds. But let me challenge you as well to not give to these ministries in place of your church. Um, God can take the monies, and God does take the monies that you give to your church, and he blesses and he uses these not only locally, but throughout the state, throughout the nation, and throughout our world. These are great ministries, and these are good things, and I would challenge each of us to continue to give to the things that, where our hearts are connected. Some of us give to cancer research. Some of us give to, uh, to, to find a cure for certain diseases, and we should continue to give to these things. But my challenge for you this morning is to remember the words, remember the people of the Macedonian church in 2 Corinthians 8. Remember their joyful and grace-filled generosity. And remember 2 Corinthians 9, 7, 
that speaks of how each of us should give as we have purposed, as he has purposed in our hearts, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a hilarious giver. God loves a cheerful giver. As I close, let me remind you, the one strand that we talked about that I could talk about every Sunday is that strand that I mentioned called grace. You and I have been given something from our Lord, from our God, that we cannot return. We can simply, we can try to return that favor, and we should demonstrate that uh, intentionally through our, um, through our emotions, through our, I mean, through our, through our giving, through the way that we live our lives, by the intentionality. Uh, we have some that are preparing for Feed the Flock this morning, so that's where they are headed. Um, just go ahead and state that. Um, or they could be offended by something I said, I'm not sure. Um, but um, God's grace is something, again, that we have done nothing to earn, nothing to deserve, and we cannot simply repay Christ for what he has given us in his death and resurrection. And my hope and prayer for each of us this morning is that we have experienced, that you have experienced the grace of God. We live in a world that has, has been a poor example of what grace is. When you think about our country and you think about uh, leaders in general, there are certain things where there is no grace. Um, if you're, you know, I think about uh, many of you relate to the, to the educational system. And sometimes if there are papers that aren't turned in on time or things that are wrong, uh, there's not a lot of grace in the grade that a teacher may give or that a student may receive. But there is grace found in our Lord Jesus Christ. He reaches out to each of us, no matter what we've done, no matter what we've said, no matter the mistakes that we've made. And so my hope and prayer is that you begin to experience God's grace and you begin to feel that grace. And as you do, you'll be led to give. You'll be led to be generous not only with your gifts to the church, but in many other ways as well. Not only financially, but be generous with your time and generous with your skills in the way that the Lord has blessed you. And so my hope and prayer is that that grace can take root in each of our hearts and each of our lives and lead us to joyful, generous giving. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the Macedonian believers who set the example for us of what it means to give in great affliction and great poverty and within great need. And Father, they as a people experience what it means to do that and to do it joyfully. And Father, they also experience your grace in the midst of that as well. Father, challenge each of us here today about joyful and grace-filled giving. Father, we're thankful for the joy that you, we have in our hearts because of the grace that you have extended to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for each one here today, no matter where they may be in life, no matter the mistakes that may, they may feel that they have made this last week, Father, it, it, it may be something big where they've fallen, and Lord, they just, um, it, it's on their heart, it's on their mind today. I pray, Father, that they would come to know and experience the grace of God this morning, a gift that they have done nothing to deserve, nothing to earn, but a gift that has been freely given. Father, bless us. Thank you for taking care of our needs as a church and as families, as individuals in this room. And Father, we pray that you would teach us more about what it means to be people who give joyfully and give generously because of the grace that you have bestowed on us. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand together and sing a hymn of invitation, a hymn of commitment. Take my life. And uh, let's let the words speak to us as we sing this together. Let's stand.
we close in prayer, let me remind you that there is lunch following our service today. The, the exodus that you saw just a moment ago uh, were the youth and other parents preparing for the lunch, and so you were all invited. There is plenty of chili. I understand about 15 to 18 gallons, I think, of chili. So it is waiting for you in just over there in just a moment. So please be mindful of that, and please come to this. This is a uh, fundraiser to support our youth. However, if you are not prepared to give today, that is okay. We please come to the lunch. Uh, there's a lot of chili over there. We'd love to have you. Um, let me also remind you that tonight at 5 o'clock, the Parish Nurse Committee has a class. On, it's a diabetes awareness class, and uh, um, I can't remember the lady's name right now that will be here leading that, but it will be in the Lighthouse Room at 5. And at 6 o'clock, there's a very special service of praise and prayer. One, uh, again, another opportunity to focus our attention upward uh, as we have been focused so much on our country and everything that's been going on, but an opportunity just to sing some good praise songs and to have some time of prayer uh, for some things that are going on within our lives and within our communities. So encourage you to come to that. Let's, let's pray together. This will also be our prayer of blessing, and whoever's first in line can let them know that, and hopefully they'll be ready for us over there. So let's, let's pray together. God, we thank you for the generosity that you have given us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, help our lives to reflect the joy and the grace that we have been given. Bless the food and our fellowship around the table. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people said, amen.